Hello, guys. How are you? All good? Okay. So they um, called me on Wednesday, and they said, can you go ahead and make a speech on Mary this Sunday? And I said, sure, absolutely. Who wouldn't want to do a beautiful speech on the Virgin Mary? And uh, I just have a question. Do you all hear me well? Are you all settled in? You want to move to the front a bit, if you can? Yeah? So we can chat and just perhaps talk a little bit about the things that you would like to talk about. All right. While preparing the um, presentation today, um, I was talking to my mom in the car about it. And uh, I told her about the content of the presentation. And we had an interesting argument. She argued that the Virgin Mary was um, whatever that has happened in her life was a singular experience that cannot possibly apply to all of us. And that she was singled out by God. She received uh, the annunciation. She received a special announcement. She took care of the Lord Jesus. And all the applications that I am putting in in this presentation do not seem to apply because it's only her. And uh, my mom quoted for me a number of Abuna Shnud, uh, Sayyidna Shnuda, Bishop Shnuda, Pope Shnuda's verses, and what he said about her, and um, what we say in church about her. And they were all what we would call in my field of literature, formulaic knowledge. Meaning, it's the formula. It's what we say in church all of the time. Uh, these are the words in which we describe the Virgin Mary. And it is difficult to think in any other way. And uh, today, I beg to differ. So what I did actually was I tried to do, I'm a literature professor. So I tried to do a character analysis of the Virgin Mary to see what are her traits, which kind of person was she, what were her parental skills, how did she parent Jesus? And how did she conduct her life of service? What made her different? How can we learn? How can I learn as a woman? Not from the divine aspect, but from her as a person. And um, this is what the presentation is going to be about. And I have to tell you, I personally was astounded by the number of things that I have, this, that I have learned after... Um, 38 years of parenting and after about 30 years of teaching in college. I discovered that most of the things that today I talk about and today I prepare, she has learned and she has done many years ago. So I'm going to st start with a funny story. Um, the Virgin Mary has apparitions all over the world. She appears. So she appeared in Egypt. She appeared in Mexico. She appeared in Spain. Uh, she appeared, I guess, in almost every country, if you go ahead and count these countries. And um, that's our seventh century depiction of the Virgin Mary. Uh, it's on the screen. This is from uh, one of our monasteries, and it is known as the um, Fawner the Egyptian farmer Ike, and it is known for doing lots of miracles. 
I'm going to show you two more, just as an example. This is Guadalupe. I'm sure you're familiar with her. Look at the face, the features. It's the Mexican depiction of the Virgin Mary. This one, I got it from Spain. For those of you who have been to Montserrat, um, they call her the Black Madonna of the Moors. The, of the Moors, the Moors used to live in Morocco, still live in Morocco, and they are dark people. And this is this was the depiction of the Virgin Mary. And this is just three images. As a professor, we start college tomorrow, by the way, so I have to prepare my syllabus. So because I'm an older, I'm sorry. Because I'm an older professor, I don't really change a lot in the content. I know enough. I just change a little bit in the syllabus, and just to go with the times. So some of the things that I usually change, and nowadays, of course, is a statement on diversity. Now, think about this. Think about what you've seen. So if you want to reach someone, you have to be mindful of diversity. That's one of the key, this is one of the key things that we learn nowadays as professors, is to give space for those who are different, give space for those um, who are voiceless, and to try and put yourself in their place and share their culture, share their language, and all of that. And to be honest, I look at that, and I remember when I was a young woman beginning to work on the manuscripts of the Virgin Mary, and I would see how she would appear in different countries with different shapes. And that would upset me because I didn't understand why is she doing that? Why does she not appear as herself? I want to know what does she look like? It confuses me that she appears in different shapes. And people can use this for confusion. However, now, after so many years, I understand. I also understand why Jesus Christ has come in the form of a man. Exactly for the same reason. Because this is how you reach out to others. So, as I was working a little bit, and as I say, more and more, on the simple things in her life, and, um, you know, I usually do not allow my students to use ChatGBT, but I cheated yesterday. So I opened ChatGBT, and I said, please, get me all the verses that are about the Virgin Mary. ChatGBT responded and said, these are too many. Please narrow down your selection. All right, limited to the four Bibles. So he gave me a beautiful set of one after the other, but he would only give me where it is, and I'm too lazy to go back and quote it. So I said, would you please give me the quotation word for word? And ChatGPT did. And I used it as an excellent research tool. But when I started looking on the episodes of the Virgin Marys uh, that are mentioned about her in the Bible, I don't think they are any more than eight. Eight episodes, that's it. And I read it, and I'm familiar with the style of the biblical writing. Uh, and I'm going to give you an example of what I mean by that. Um, in my job as a literature professor, we are 
language-minded. So you look at every word and what is said and what is not said and what is omitted and what is added. And the biblical language is known as grief and compelling. So studies that were done on how the Bible was written compared it, for example, to other works of literature. And one of those comparisons was a wonderful comparison because it tells you exactly how different this, what we're dealing with when we read the Bible from when we read a novel, for example. So one of the very famous works of literature, for those of you who had the pleasure of reading it, is Homer. So there is an episode in Homer, one moment, where his maid uh, recognizes that it is him. He comes after many years and she washes his feet and she notices a mark. So Homer in the Odyssey writes about four or five pages, so this one more, describing her feelings and what he felt and what happened and how he felt and their memories and, you know, a lot. Now, we come to the Virgin Mary and the episodes that describe the Virgin Mary or any event in the Bible. That particular author, known, his name is Sternberg. Uh, he compared it to the sacrifice of Isaac. So we know that Abraham took Isaac, and we know that it was a three-day walk. And in these three days, what we have are, I believe, two lines. It just says, he asks Isaac, asks his father, uh, what are we going to sacrifice? And the father says, God provides. What happens in those three days? They must have said something to one another. The Bible doesn't mention anything. So the language, and the same applies, for example, for Lazarus. So Jesus goes in front of the, um, where Lazarus was buried, and he just says, Lazarus come, and Lazarus awakes, and that's it. Now Lazarus, by the way, became the bishop of Cyprus. He has a big church. And he is the saint of Cyprus. And he has written a lot. But he never mentioned what has happened in those four days. So we never knew what happened when he died. But in general, this brevity in the Bible and this, uh, this way of narration, which omits, is full of omissions, really, is compelling. It is compelling because it is true. It is compelling because the way that it is narrated depicts the truth. So for example, when we see the Virgin Mary in all of her encounters with Jesus, one of them, the loveliest one of them that I enjoy a lot, is the transformation of the water into wine in the wedding of Cana. Look at the exchange between the Virgin Mary and Jesus. Uh, she goes and she tells him, the wine is finished. And he responds, what has this got to do with me? And then he uses the term woman, which we interested to talk a lot about. And then she goes to the servants and she tells them, whatever he tells you, you do. He goes and he tells them, fill the pots with, wine, with water. And then in two minutes, you know, we know that the, the water is transformed into wine and the people have enjoyed it. That's it. Now look at the exchange between the Virgin Mary and Jesus. And I can pull it from ChatGPT, and 
he will see that, you know, literally, the exchange, she tells him, the wine is finished. She doesn't tell him, do a miracle. She doesn't tell, she doesn't talk about what he has done in the past, nothing whatsoever. And he also does not tell her, what do you want me to do? Nothing. What he says is, it's not my time yet. And then he doesn't even tell her, I'm going to go ahead and do it for your sake. He doesn't. He moves immediately to the action. So look at the omission. How, how much of that is omitted? So, and this happens a lot in most of the stories that we have in the Bible. And in every story with the Virgin Mary, to the point where it is difficult to tell which kind of person was she. For example, the angel appears to her and he tells her that she's going to have a child with her child Alfred of the war. And he tells her that Elizabeth is, is pregnant, right? And then we have one sentence where it says that she went and visited Elizabeth and that this visit was in a village in the hills. How many days did she visit? Did she go alone? Was it possible for women to travel alone? Did she ask permission? Did Joseph buy her a ticket? Um, did he help her? Did he send food with her? Did she have to buy food on the road? Did she do it all on her own? Did she take permission? What happened exactly? We know nothing. We know that she arrives at Elizabeth's house and then the encounter happens between Elizabeth and, and her where she's going to have this child by Elizabeth, child of Christ. And then for a change, we have the Song of Mary or what is known as the Song of Mary, where Mary talks a little bit longer than usual, and it's all a song of praise for her child. And this is how we get to know her. And I thought in the beginning, oh, in the beginning I used to miss huge parts that are omitted. You know, my work was on the manuscript of the, of the uh, visit of the Holy Family to Egypt. And I had hoped that one day, I would make this accessible to everyone, especially to children. And uh, our work in general, in academia, makes us use big words that are not accessible. No problem, I'll try, okay. That's better? Okay. So I wanted to make it accessible, and it's difficult to make 500 pages of research and theory that is meant to satisfy professors in the academia to get to a degree to make it accessible to the people in public. But I had hoped that I would be able to write the stories at least to children and make a book of a series of the stories of the stations where Jesus had stopped so that children would read them and enjoy them and know about them. But I couldn't bring myself to do it, no matter how hard I tried. And the reason is I wasn't able to reconcile the stories that are in the tradition with the Virgin Mary that we have in the Bible. So for example, we're all Copts. We all know about the story of the Virgin Mary cursing the area in Matareya where the bread is not leavened. 
where they can't make bread because the bread is not leaving there. To be honest, in my mind, I find it very difficult to see the Virgin Mary as cursing any place. It is not in her character to do so. And there are lots of stories like these in our narration of the visit of the Holy Family to Egypt. And I couldn't bring myself to write this to children because I felt that this was not, if it was omitted in the Bible, there is a reason for the omission. And then the omission means it is not something that we need to look at. Now that we've talked about the omissions, and the omissions should define how we read her character and how we read the Bible. What is omitted is irrelevant. So we need to look at what she has done and what has happened. And I wanted to look at her parenting skills because this is a young church and I wanted it to be meaningful. And um, I wanted it to be meaningful to women and to mothers. And I looked at her relationship with Jesus, the words that they exchanged. Um, there isn't much, but there is enough. And um, I'm a grandmother now. I'm sure you know my grandchildren. Uh, they are notorious. So um, in a bad way. <laughs> so <laughs> but in general, um, some of the things that I think I've learned when I've read it this time are the things agreed with my knowledge as a mother for 35 or 38 years. Now, look at how she deals with Jesus when he is 12 and he disappears and um, she thought that he was with his dad and he thought that she was with his mom and they can't find him. So they had to go back a day's walk to look for him, worried. Now, if, you know, I remember if, one of my daughters, and my daughters were angels, um, disappeared for five minutes when we were in the airport. I would give her help because she has to be responsible and she has to be considerate and she has to know that I will be worried about her and ha I have to see her at all times and I will read her the long list that we usually read to kids. But look at what the Virgin Mary did. He was in the... He was in the... Uh, temple and he was preaching, he was reading and when he came out she asked him we were worried where have you been? And he told her I was on my father's business and we don't have any more interaction she doesn't yell at him, she doesn't tell him well you should have told us it's alright to go but you could have told us, none of that well I guess, isn't modern, the modern way of raising kids today is reproach rather than punishment? Explanation rather than trying to uh, not give them their space? I think one of the things that I have benefited from is in raising my second daughter and in actually me myself as I grew up was the need for distance, the need to have my space, the need to be able to grow in the person that I will be, uh, and the respect of the space and the respect of this distance. And I think the Virgin Mary did this in an amazing way. 
And another thing that has happened that sort of confirmed this vision was that um, she goes and she visits him with his brothers and sisters, as the Bible says, and we know that they are his cousins. And the Jesus was preaching when he was an adult with his disciples. And then they tell him, your mother is outside and your brothers are outside. And he says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? They are those who believe in the word of God. Looks like a snub to me. You know, I'm going to visit you. you know, be warm, be affectionate. You know, show me that you love me. <laughs> but this is not what happens here. But she is available and she is accepted. Now, how many of us have been turned down by our teenagers, teenage children, who needed to do the things that they need to do and were upset and angry and did not make ourselves available to them and visit them again and always be there? We see that she does that. Now, he calls her woman. And, you know, the word woman has been, there's a lot of literature about why he never calls the Virgin Mary mom. And he always calls her mo mother, uh, he always calls her woman. And the interpretation of all of this is always, oh, he wanted to uh, maintain the distance. Uh, he did not, he wants, it's his divine nature, or it is uh, whatever. There are so many interpretations of why he calls her woman. And to be honest, my grandkids, when they come and want to play with me, they call me with my first name. Or they call me a woman. So I wonder if it was an endearing term. You know, because he said it at some of the closest moments. At one moment when he did a mistake before his time, and the second time he said it when he was dying on the cross. So the value of the words that we use and the way we perceive them may differ. So in many cases, when we hear our children, it's not necessarily that it is a word of disrespect, but sometimes it's a word of endearment. It's reaching out in a different way. Um, I think that uh, I think sort of sum up. So to be honest, as I said, it was a beautiful trip for me, reading all of that and seeing so many of the things that I would have benefited from as a young woman, had I been able to read the stories of the Virgin Mary as not as, a sing, not as a person who singled out, not as a singular experience, but to encourage me to do the things that I have done in my life, to travel alone, to give children space, uh, to be joyful. This is the last thing that I will end with today. Every time the Virgin Mary says something, she never says, talks about grief without joy not even at the moment on the cross. So even when she says, you know, my heart is broken, she, she doesn't say that her heart is broken first. She says, although the world rejoices for its salvation, my heart is broken. So, and this was the first, this is the first time. The first time, the, the second time, the first time in the Annunciation, the angel comes and he greets her and Sherine Maria, and you know, uh, he tells her you're going to be a mother, you're going to have the son of God. And then she tells him, how is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. It's a problem. Like, you know, anybody would be worried, what's gonna happen now? What about my reputation? Any of that. But she just simply says, let it be to me 
And then when she goes to, when she goes to visit Elizabeth, uh, she, the thing that she remembers out of all of this, and she is three months pregnant, is that the Lord has venerated me. The whole generations will venerate me. So all she could see is the joy. Regardless of the pain, we don't see her complain. We don't see her nag. And as I say, it is interesting that the way that she bears grief, although it is extreme grief, she always bears it with joy. So I'm going to end here, and thank you very much for listening to me, guys. Do you have any quick questions that you would like to talk about, address, before we go? Okay. All good? Okay. Thank you.